how can I help people that like either it's just not their skill set, they're not interested, they don't have time, or they've got a particular like way that they learn that is different, or the world is not accommodating for that human and exactly the way that they are. And we should be celebrating our diversity so much more. You're listening to the Wisdom for Wellbeing podcast, the show that blends science and heart to bring you evidence-based tips and tricks for cultivating a healthy, wealthy, and meaningful life. Now, here's your host, therapist, yogi, and fellow full life balancer, Dr. Caitlin Harkis. Hi there, welcome back to Wisdom for Wellbeing. I am really excited to be dropping into your earbuds and I am really excited for this episode. We are talking financial health and well-being. How do you ensure that your finances are not a source of stress, of overwhelmed, an area of anxiety or avoidance? How do you ensure that your finances allow you to live a life that is rich and meaningful, that inspire you, that become a real source of almost connection to yourself? We're actually going to be talking about going on dates with yourself to get your head around your finances, which I know you might be avoiding right now. However, I really hope that by the end of this episode, you're feeling inspired, empowered, and also human. You know, we in this episode dive into the struggles with difficult emotions too. We know they're there. But first, let me introduce you to our amazing guest. We are joined by Lauren Teal, who is the founder of the boutique accounting firm, The Real Teal, a chartered accountant and tax agent with a passion for the arts. Lauren is on a mission to educate, empower, and motivate creative small business owners. Lauren has a double degree in tourism and event management and commerce with a major in accounting, and she spent her early years in the industry with KPMG Adelaide. She founded her first company at dance school at just 22 years old. And today she continues to contribute to the arts through her role as treasurer, board member, and festival producer of the Cabaret Fringe Festival. Lauren may very well be the only accountant we know who can do the entire single ladies dance routine. And this is the first time that I have got to reference Beyonce in an intro, which speaks to all the sparkle of Lauren. But it's not just Sparkle, right? It's, she's a clearly an intelligent woman. The information that you're going to receive is really useful, practical, and heartfelt. You will hear a social justice thread running through this interview and through all of the work and the offerings that Lauren shares. So I hope that you enjoy this interview, this educational opportunity as much as I do. And I hope that when we get to the other side, you are feeling as inspired as I am to have a little bit of a date with yourself and to pull out the calculator, the Excel sheet, and or maybe some sparkly pens. But without further ado, let me introduce you to Lauren now. being I am so excited that we get the chance to connect here um this evening we're both actually in Adelaide I know 
It's amazing to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, it's an absolute pleasure. And I am really excited for this conversation because financial health and financial well-being and financial stress is something that comes up a lot in um, the work that I do, but just in general conversation. And this is really your area. And you work with individuals who, not to kind of like dive too much into a stereotype, but you work with creative. So individuals who are typically, you know, so brilliant in creating and the vivaciousness of their craft that maybe uh, finances, kind of the numbers, the more stereotypically boring stuff isn't their jam. And that is, those are the individuals you support primarily, isn't it? Yeah, 100%. I would say nearly 98% of my client base are creatives, which is a very broad term. Um, but basically anybody that doesn't fit in, in the box, I love them all. They fit in my box. <laughs> And that is no doubt the best box to be in because as listeners will have, you know, heard your intro, you, you reference, um, Beyonce, you dance Beyonce, you are uh, a dancer and you actually started your first business at 22, but would you mind just sharing for listeners a little bit about your background generally and how you became, you know, the real feel? Yeah, 100%. So I have always been a performer since I was really, really little. I think mum and dad sent me to ballet school when I was three to learn discipline. Uh, and instead I just fell in love with sequins and attention. Uh, so (laughs) I stuck to that. And then I guess, so my, my dad is an accountant and a business person and I grew up kind of, you know, board meetings at our dining room table and business. And, um, I remember when I was maybe 12, starting a little jewelry business with my friends and dad getting us to do a profit and loss statement and an inventory list. Uh, And so, and I had my first ABN at like 14 so that I could go and work um, with some of the talent agencies and doing the Westfield kids shows and stuff like that. So I've kind of been in and around both the arts and business forever. Uh, My mum's a visual artist, so I also learn from that side just how different people's brains can be, different motivations, um, and how art is not just a hobby and it's a it's a real business and it should be respected as such, but it is different and how all these pieces go together. So for so long I kind of followed the path of the arts and went and studied tourism and event management. I wanted to be an actor. I was dancing in Adelaide Fringe. And then I really discovered that maybe my place in life um, or the niche I could carve out was actually as a bit of a bridge between arts and business. I was maybe a little too sparkly for the big four accounting firms and I was maybe a little too, I don't know, analytical, straight, narrow to be full artist. So I have found my place right in the middle, supporting both worlds or translating um, tax and money stuff for the people that I really care about and that I still dance with now. <laughs> what a beautiful, like, sparkly bridge between these <laughs> between these two worlds. And with this, so you haven't stopped because this is the other thing that I really respect about you, Lauren. You have a successful accounting firm. You dance. You know, you have um, a lot to do with the art scene and cabaret in Adelaide. And then you've gone back to school <laughs> to, to study once more. You're studying yes. psychology. Yes. I Tell have currently... <laughs> 
I've, <laughs> I've currently deferred this semester while we had to get through tax season, but it's one of my long-term goals, you know, through my 30s to um, study psychology with the goal of being able to offer um, counselling and psychology to my clients and to the broader community, but specifically around money stuff because I'm learning so much just on the job um, and I think, well, society a little is learning about different, you know, mental health challenges, about the different ways that we are neurodiverse um, and being much more empathetic to individuals' backgrounds as well. Uh, And I'm definitely seeing that in my client base. So I want to have the know-how and the piece of paper to back up what I suppose I'm seeing as the next movement in this space. Could you talk to that just a little bit? Because this is a really interesting point that we are um, all diverse in terms of our neurobiological wiring and that that influences every area of our life. So necessarily it would influence how we experience finances and the navigation of finances. What are you seeing? What's kind of, I guess, the the prompt here? Sure. Um, from the work I do, the friends I have, the clients I have who are beautifully honest with me um, and I suppose I, I try and hold space and create a place where that is welcomed. Um, I've seen that there are some trends. Now I can't exactly diagnose people on the way in um, and be like, oh, you've found us so you're probably this and this and this and this. But there are a large majority of our client base who have got anxiety, depression, ADHD um, or some other type of um, I suppose a different way of um, learning their brain, their brain works differently and they, they're beautiful and wonderful because of that. And what I'm realizing is how my very, I don't know if there is such a thing as neurotypical really, but I feel like I come from a very neurotypical position and I know there are some privileges that come with that. Um, but I see her and I go, how can I, build this bridge like this isn't just about being in the arts this is about going um you know tasks executive functioning tasks richer like all of tax (laughs) and accounting like they can be particularly challenging for people or maybe you know maybe you've got dyslexia or um there's another one specifically for numbers um and it always sounds like dracula me but it's not and I should know it um I'm pretty sure it's dyscalculia it is like Dracula isn't it yes um and the other night one of my friends made the comment they're like so it's like the count um and except the opposite because the count count loves numbers (laughs) isn't that great you are like the count for their dyscalculia yes yes so maybe that's my new tagline. But I'm, I'm learning about all these things and realizing that simple, simple changes in the way that I do business and maybe the way that accountants do business or the ATO write things or whatever, it could be a lot more um, manageable for a neurodiverse world. So an example was we send out checklists to clients and in these checklists, it might be like complete this form schedule this meeting and read this info pack, right? And I'm like, boom, go. Now, some people love 
a checklist. Some people hate it. Uh, some people like that it sends auto reminders. Some people hate it. And then one of my clients said um, they have ADHD and they were like, okay, so immediately I open it and then I freak out because I don't know how long those tasks are going to be because I suffer from time blindness. And so I actually build this this thing up in my head. It's going to be this huge, huge job. So I just procrastinate and I put it off. And it's not that I don't want to do it. It's not that I don't prioritize it. It's not that I don't know how to do it. It's just that I go, that's huge. I'm not doing that yet. I don't have time. So now what we do is next to each task, we have in brackets the approximate amount of time that you should allocate to that thing. So I might be like filling this form five to 10 minutes. This form might be two hours. That's a really chunky form. Please allocate some time. This one might be an hour to three hours, depending on how organized you are. So we're just trying to like listen to our client base and learn. We we do not know everything. We know a tiny bit about this space. Um, but what we are learning, we are trying to adapt. Obviously, keeping in mind that I have to be able to run a business that's scalable, that is not catered specifically to one person so it's like how do we make a profitable business so it is sustainable but where we are helping people in a way that's actually helpful that's incredible Lauren and that's like you're listening aren't you like that's a huge thing that you're you're listening you're learning you're applying and it sounds like you've got this beautiful iterative process that's unfolding in this space based on the feedback and where someone experiences you know time blindness or struggles around how much time to allocate that's immensely helpful that you've essentially broken down their tasks given them some time guidelines but even for the neurotypical you know I imagine that's an incredibly helpful thing as well because you can go okay well I'll do this project now I'll do this form later like trying to allocate time is incredibly helpful it's our most precious resource isn't it that's very true that's very true and and it's a great perspective I think is why wouldn't you do something if it's not harming one person and it's giving benefit and helping another why would you not do that yeah yeah, that's, that's a really beautiful point. Why wouldn't you? But it, w- it would have cost you time to like sit down and figure out like how long these tasks are going to take. So you've invested your time to support someone else in their time management. I mean, really, like your intentionality between going to study psychology, this all really aligns because as much as you said, maybe you're a little bit too straight-laced for the arts world, which I actually don't buy, um, that I wonder <laughs> if some of it is around like the, this heartfeltness in, in, in wanting to help people like seeing this area this gap where people were struggling and knowing that you could do something about that and stepping into it yeah well I'm it sucks that money makes the world go round uh but it does so as I feel like there are some people in this world who are called to you know really pursue change and make change in politics and government and policies and all of that And I absolutely stand as an ally to them doing their work. I don't feel that's my calling. I feel like I'm a little more on the like, okay, those are the rules. I don't like the rules, but let's learn how to play the game. Um, And how can I help people that have either, I don't know, there's so many things. Like either it's just not their skill set, they're not interested, they don't have time, or they've got a particular like way that they learn that is different or the world is not accommodating for that human and exactly 
the way that they are and we should be celebrating our diversity so much more. There's also a lot around trauma um, and around financial trauma. There's like I'm really excited to also start making more accessible services so that um, particularly women um, can access from like a DV perspective. How do you get out of situations if you have have no money, have got tax returns that aren't lodged, you can't do your like um, spouse separations until your tax is sorted. Like basic stuff to some people is so, so important and could be life-threatening to other people. So um, yeah, it goes beyond just the arts now, but uh, yeah, just areas and communities that I guess I'm passionate about. And unfortunately money is tied to nearly everything that we do, so. Yeah, so it becomes social justice. Yeah. And I, I guess with this, so I can see a couple of areas that you've kind of mentioned. There, there are situations where it's really traumatic, both um, from a financial trauma or, you know, a current um, trauma in the sense of individuals navigating a really troublesome DV situation. And you mentioned then the neurodiversity as well as individuals who maybe just aren't interested. It's not their jam. They recognize, you know, having financial health might be important, but getting the gusto up, which who knows, might be related to a host of things. What, what I guess do you recommend for people as they start this journey towards financial health and well-being? Like, do you have um, a concept of what financial health and well-being is? If someone kind of wanted to know what they're working towards, do you have a sense as to what that is? I was thinking about that in preparation for today. And it's, I mean, we've really just tacked the word financial onto health and well-being. So I think we can look at what is health and well-being you're probably the right person to ask about this. But I know for me, sometimes that is about, um, you know, we have a sustainable energy, right? Like I go to the gym, not because I'm trying to be a particular size, but so that I've got energy to actually, well, to be honest, to do all the work that I do uh, and to have a good night's sleep and we eat right. So there's some things where I think financial well-being is about putting in place structure, mechanism, practice, good habits, so that we don't have to worry about it so much and so that we can do all the other things. Uh, It's not about a particular dollar figure that you have to have. Uh, Everybody also lives a very different life. So my financial sort of uh, goal or position where I feel secure will be very different to somebody else. You know, Beyonce and I have very different uh, minimum wages uh, and that is okay. (laughs) Um, also, you know, living, living, but similar dance skills. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yes. 100% very similar. (laughs) Um, I think, I think there's a few things though, um, that lots of people probably wear as little goals in their heart when it comes to money stuff that I think are good. So one of those is having your own bank account. Um, and I would encourage people, even if you enter into relationships with other people or partnerships in business, that you always maintain some money that is yours that nobody else can touch, um, as much as we love and trust our partners. Um, unfortunately they're often the people that hurt us the most. So we, I I encourage there to always be something that is only yours. Um, even if there's full transparency, I just think that's a really good idea. Uh, 
I don't know if we have swearing in this podcast, but my account is my get the F out account so that if I ever needed to, I could get I love the F that. out. <laughs> um, and you know what? That's Sometimes huge it's maybe, though, Lauren, isn't it? Like, yeah, it doesn't need no, to be a lot. It's, like, it's a great enough concept. to get you a, a bus ticket, a hotel room, food for the night, like to get to wherever safety might be. Um, and you know what? Yeah. Sometimes... You know, I'll top mine up a little bit, and um, thankfully, I've not had to use it. But I have, I have dipped into it as a breakup fund, uh, and when I will get my nails done and get a massage and, and like, go out for drinks with the <laughs> girls and all those sorts of things. So sometimes, an ability to self care, self care costs money. Um, so whether that's going to a yoga class, whether that is taking a day off. Can you afford to take a day off from your job? Everyone's got different levels of this, right? A holiday overseas, amazing. Go, escape, run away, whatever. Um, so partly having funds that are for you. Then I think there's also having a, if you've read The Barefoot Investor, it's like a buffer or fire extinguisher account, but it's essentially savings for a rainy day. <clears throat> and... In that, having, having an account or having a, an amount in each account that is like a little cushion. So if you've set things up, um, money's coming into those on a regular basis, money's being paid out for bills, but there's a cushion. Uh, I think that is the dream for a lot of people is to not have to live paycheck to paycheck. Um, we are almost all living paycheck to paycheck, but if we can do it without stressing about it, I think that's great. Um, and then obviously not being at somebody else's um, call. You know, you, you don't want to be in debt that's scary debt. You want to be in conscious debt that you can repay, that you're comfortable with, that's within your means. Um, always know the exit strategy um, and hopefully have some kind of an asset, I think, tied to any debt and not a depreciable asset like a car. So really conscious like debt. I haven't heard it phrased like that before. Don't go into it. Be- I'm And look, I am saying this with a level of privilege again. Um, sometimes we have to get debt to get out, but often that will dig the hole bigger. So being really, really careful about what kind of debt we get into um, and looking at all the other avenues first is a really good strategy. This is really useful, Lauren. So there's the the get the F out fund, which is, I think, so empowering, right? Like we would hope we never use it, but it's to know it's there buys a lot of freedom and and freedom, not just in terms of getting out, but that psychological freedom that 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 the finances don't make your decision for you, you know, that that you can commit your decision. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's huge. That's huge. I, I think that's vital. And that sounds like it's different than like, to some of the barefoot investor funds where we're talking about having sort of a cushion in place and having some of the structures and perhaps because the barefoot investor has never had to consider getting the FO. Like this is a really interesting um, perspective that you're able to offer us here today that we all probably need to need to hold. 
the idea that then you've got sort of some sort of automation where bills are coming in, bills are coming out, this seems like it would appeal to the, the vast majority of the population because cognitive load, executive function is something we probably mm-hmm. want to divert to other tasks mm-hmm. in our lives, but particularly for individuals who might struggle from some of the um, executive function challenges that, that kind of sit with with, you know, for instance, you mentioned ADHD as well as when we're struggling with our mood or our anxiety, it's harder for us to yes. focus. So if we can have some of these things automated, that makes a lot of sense. There's, I think there's also something in that. So often people will go either I don't know what I'm doing or I don't like this and they sort of operate like la 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 la. I hope it's going okay. Where did my money go? And you're like... Well, no one is going to be good at this stuff if you don't look at it. I'm good at this because I look at it often, not obsessively, but I've got, we, even without even without the accounting degree, you don't actually learn money management in accounting degrees. You learn how to do tax law and auditing and other things. I, I honestly learned a lot of my financial literacy from my parents and I'm thankful for that. And I think we need to be teaching people how to teach their kids about this because not every, I didn't know that not everybody's dad is an accountant. Um, and so <laughs> I kind of took for granted that I just learned this stuff, like have a different bank account or like donate money before 30 June. Cause it's a tax deduction. Um, put money into your super if you work for yourself because nobody else is. Um, like there's just stuff that I grew up thinking was basic that apparently isn't. Uh, and one of those is looking at your numbers. So by that, I mean, this time every year, June, July, um, I will sit down and plan out what I think my year is going to look like. Um, and nobody knows the future. That doesn't matter. I might be 5k off. I might be 50k off, whatever. We'll sort it out. Um, and plan out that year, look at my actual expenses. So I'm looking back at actuals forward at expectation, meeting somewhere in the middle and creating a budget. And then I allocate each of those items to a different account. And I go, okay, groceries will be paid from the everyday account, boring bills and gym fees and anything direct debit goes in my boring bills account, house saving in that account. Then I allocate averages. So every week, $8 goes towards Christmas presents. That goes in that account. $10 a week into whatever. And um, too much money into Uber Eats account. And then Basically, I just have, I know exactly what my target <laughs> revenue is then because I've added up what it means to me to live this life. And if I'm a bit off, I have to go back, tweak the budget, change that up. And then I set them all to be auto transfers. So all the money comes into one account and then it all leaves immediately into its allocated bank accounts. And then I just know which card to use for what thing. And then when it stops working, I'm like, oh, okay can't have my nails done this week because we already spent that on wine um or you've eaten too much pasta this week you can't drive anywhere no more petrol because petrol's so expensive oh and this is incredible because this like what you kind of made you made the joke of the uber eats but this is a real thing isn't it like there, there are these seemingly luxuries and when we think of a budget we think it means that we're like eating from our Tupperware container and taking the bus everywhere it doesn't have to be like that by the sounds we actually get to choose the life by design and figure out what within our constraints is practical but we have to sit down and look at it 
I will give Melissa Brown in which book is it in one of their books I think it's called budgets don't work but this does and I will give them credit for this point of the money mindset right and looking at what you've got coming in looking at what's going out and definitely design your life before I had actually read that book which I do recommend you read but um before I had read that I looked at my life when I was early 20s I'd moved out broken up an engagement and had to figure stuff out for the first time with my own real money and situation and job and I was just hating on it because I was like I just want to be able to you know I want to buy around without thinking like oh are they going to pay me back like I wanted to be able to be generous I didn't want to be the Scrooge right um I wanted to be able to go on a holiday or like nobody likes paying a parking fine but I didn't want it to mean make or break to me so what I did is I did a budget a budget's really just running numbers it's not about constriction uh and I ran the numbers and I went okay what does my ideal life look like and not ideal in the sense of glamorous I hang out with Beyonce every week but um ideal happy you know standard financially healthy life and I ran the numbers and I was off I was like okay I don't earn that much and I went okay I'll adjust my spending for now but I also had a very clear goal for my income and what that does psychologically is it creates a problem of how do I earn that income rather than how do I not spend so much and I then went and proceeded to double my income within 24 months and then I was living that desired life and from there anything in addition I've pre-allocated mentally because I know what the next might be like okay the next thing is I want to be able to buy shares or I want to be able to pay off that debt or I want to buy a house or whatever and so you're not just going I just want more money I want a pay rise I need to you're not like having this like I need everything either greed mentality or um I don't have enough mentality because that's also quite a thing, particularly if you've come from a place um, or experienced poverty. Often we can tie it to I never have enough and we've got an anxiety around money. Um, But if we flip that and we go, I have exactly what I need, but if I have a new goal, I have a new motivation and we can allocate that um, ahead of time. And then we don't waste it as well, you know, That's incredible. So it's really like opening this loop up, knowing where you want to go and knowing what, uh, what a good, a good life looks like for an individual. And I love that it's not, you know, I want to go on yachts and things, which maybe, maybe that is what someone's aiming to, but here you're talking about, I want to buy a round of drinks for my friends. That's super tangible. That's really practical. That's something that it sounds like opened a loop as to where you were going. Sitting down to do those numbers, though, when you sat down to kind of crunch the numbers, having come out of, it sounds like a 360 kind of on where you thought you might be going, or 180, I guess would be kind of the halfway mark. Here's my numbers, so my numbers coming out <laughs> in full force now. But, um, <laughs> 180. Um, how did you kind of get yourself to sit down and do it? Like, is there anything that, you, that you've that you done or that you recommend to your clients to make it more palatable, to help you stick with actually looking at your numbers when that's something that is perhaps a little bit anxiety provoking and certainly, you know, for a lot of us, not, not pleasant? Hugely. Um, often, 
often we will have clients crying in consults and there's nothing wrong with crying I don't care if you cry I mean I'd care for you if you're crying um but often it is emotional because it can often be a bit of a slap in the face of reality and go you're not there yet you know and that can be really hard some of that is um because it'll be tied to other stuff right self-worth or trauma or sometimes we're just learning about how our brains work and this can be a real challenge um so many different reasons. I think the thing I would keep in mind for people or that I want to encourage people to think about is that this is about creating direction, about coming up with a plan of how to get there, a realistic timeline. Um, you not looking at it and you not doing anything about it, you're 100% not going to get there. So it's sort of like if you can get through the tough bit, which you can, you are strong and you are capable and you have people around you who can help you, then you will have that within your reach. You know, you're changing your reality. That's really what we're talking about. It's not about wishing. It's about going, okay, how do the numbers stack up? What is the timeline? How do we get there? What is the right next step? You know, and it can be overwhelming to think really, really, really long term. That's why I'm, I don't like sitting there going, what am I going to do in 10 years? If I looked, so I've just bought a house, right? Woo. Uh, and if I look at like, how am I going to pay off this house in the next 20, 30 years? I'm like, oh my gosh, that is ridiculous. That is so much money. Oh my gosh. Overwhelm, overwhelm. I can't do it. This is really hard. What did I just sign up for? But if I'm like, can I make the repayments for the next, I mean, obviously I have looked at those numbers to make sure I can, um, but I've, <clears throat> I will more realistically look at the budget for the next year or two, make sure that we're comfortable, we can meet these repayments. Is there a way to earn more or grow the business? Does that give me more comfort? You know, like I only ever really look two or three years out at a high level and then in detail for 12 months because nobody knows what's going to happen beyond that. Yeah, well, I mean, I guess as we've all kind of seen in the past couple of years, things can change very rapidly in our world. But th this is really like helpful, isn't it? We're not looking 10 years in advance. We're not trying to predict um, with a crystal ball. We're looking at, as you said earlier, like the numbers that we had for the past year, looking to the year ahead, maybe one year on from that. But we're just, we're keeping it small. What, what if someone's never done this before? Is it that you sit down with like an Excel sheet? Like, is it... Is it like that? Like, where do you, where do you like practically where start with start this? Start? Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. uh, a few different things. One of the best things I think you can do is book an hour with your accountant, because this is the sort of thing, if I didn't know where to start with Facebook ads, I would book a marketing person and be like, hi, like I would maybe go and have a little play around, read some stuff on Google. You can probably, I mean, we've got templates for our clients, um, so definitely reach out to somebody who you know likes this stuff and ask them to help you. There are a bunch of books um, that you can also look to. But I honestly think sometimes we will feel the most <clears throat> reassurance if we speak to somebody about our situation. So booking a meeting with your accountant will probably be the best couple hundred dollars that you've spent. Um, they can give you resources, give you templates, talk you through the process. If you are in a and I believe that's tax deductible. Yes. Yeah, sure. <laughs> yes. If you, so tax services are, 
Um, and if you run a small business, then yes, having your consults and bits and bobs would also be tax deductible. Um, and, and look, the way I would start budgeting is, yeah, spreadsheet. What's the money coming in? That's your income. Um, and what is the money going out? And not what is the pretend money going out? Look at the bank statement for the last three months. When I did that for the first time and I saw how much I was spending on Uber Eats just like not thinking about it, I was actually disgusted with myself because we we trick ourselves. We're like, oh, no, I've only ordered that. I think I had 52 hot potatoes in like less than <laughs> half a year. Like, that's ridiculous. <laughs> that is like, that's just one dish. <laughs> that's, that's stupid money. It's very expensive potatoes. I could make them myself. So, yeah, look at your actual numbers um, and then fill those But in. thank you for sharing that, Lauren, because just even sharing that emotion of disgust too, like I wonder if some of those emotions, like the disgust, the shame, like some of these really uncomfortable emotions that come up when we go to do our finances, how normalizing to know, okay, like someone who's um, incredibly accomplished, who has a financial... Um, together like that yeah. that you sit down and go wow I'm disgusted with how many hot potatoes I've ordered yes. that Uber Eats can that give mm-hmm. us those of us listening right now like the sense that actually this is human like maybe this can shed yes. a little bit of light so rather than shame we can actually go oh, okay like we're human together in this and yes. this is why we need the real numbers and we need kind of this sense of normal to hold space when the stuff comes up around looking at these areas that are uncomfortable where we might experience disgust discomfort there is a lot of discomfort I think there's um there's totally there's shame there's judgment of what we should or shouldn't be spending our money on you know like my my dad will often get into me for having a personal trainer because they're expensive and it's like well you could be saving that money I was like I could be but I could also be like sick all year which I did the math on if I'm sick four times a year and need a week off every time what that calculates to versus having a PT and the hour a day that gets me away from the desk. And like, I I can justify nearly everything with numbers, but I did, I did look at those things and go, you know what? No, I'm not going to change that thing. That's important to me. That's important to my health. And I'm going to invest in that. I would much rather that than something else. And that's the biggest thing is you can do anything you want. We can't do all the things all at once. So prioritization is big. And right now it might be just food on the table, but know what it is that you're working toward and why, and it will be way more motivating and way more possible. Um, Also, I just want to say there are some services, like there are free financial counseling services. Um, I mean, I'm running a business and mine are not free, but there are free services if you are struggling with like the weight of debt and you're at the point of really not knowing where to go and you can't afford to get the help to know where to go if you're in sort of one of those nasty cycles um there are free services to help with that if you can justify the one-on-one meeting and you're ready to sort of go okay i want a little bit more hands-on help and i'm ready to budget and go to the next level that's when you book that time with your accountant to go through and they should be able to help you with personal budgeting and business budgeting as well. 
Excellent. That's, that's, I think, a great tip. So if, if you are really struggling at Staya right now, know that you can look for the free services that will help you kind of regain some traction and get a sense of empowerment, get moving. And if you are at, you know, I guess this, this level of um, blessing privilege where, where we're kind of sitting and you're able to kind of go, okay, like I can invest in this. This is something I want to sit down with someone one-on-one and just get that motivation, get that sense that you know the steps to cultivate, to develop a budget that is in alignment with your heart and your values and where you want to spend those monies, um, that that's definitely doable. Lauren, where can people work with you? Because I guess this is kind of one of the avenues, options if individuals are resonating with the way that you're working and some of the tips, the tools that you share with your clients. How can people get a bit of that? Uh, yeah, we, we offer all of the accounting and tax and budgeting and consults uh, for for anybody. Um, our niche market and target are creatives, but our you know, doors open. Uh, and you can find us at www.therealteal.com, and that's T-H-I-E-L. Uh, and you'll find us on Instagram, therealteal1, and all the other platforms, I think. Um, slide into my DMs, and I will help you out there. I did, on what you were saying before, Caitlin reminded me, um, all well and good to kind of put this stuff in place, but then what? And part of this is like accountability is such a big thing and checking in with yourself and then also rewarding yourself because we want to build a positive relationship with money, not only see money when it's leaving or only see money when we don't have any or we need to like on my Instagram, I post each Thursday a money mantra. So starting to give people tools about positive things that they might, you know, maybe you write it down, maybe you say it out loud, whatever it is. But those ones where it's like, I am beautiful. I am strong. It's like money flows freely to me. And there's no shame in that. Like, let's like, let's manifest and accept and de-shame having it because sometimes we just get rid of it because we're so used to not having it or we don't know what to do with it or we feel guilty for having it because people around us don't have it or we don't know what to do with it or whatever. So, Some of it is about learning to build a different connection Um, and then also rewarding yourself when you do hit those targets. And it's not going to be every time. That is okay. Again, you know, we don't have a crystal ball and we're not seeing the future. It's not a guessing game. Um, You know, you don't only win if you guess perfectly. But one one thing, so at the moment what I do is just um, each month I've got targets and I've got an annual target and if we hit the targets, woo, I get, you know, get a day off or get to go out or whatever. If it's a big one, maybe we get a long weekend or, um, I mean, my team and I share in a financial bonus at the end of each year if we've done well. But there are other ways that you can be rewarded. It can be a boost juice if you want. Like it doesn't, it doesn't matter. It can be get your nails done if you hit X target. Don't make the reward equal to the thing that you've just achieved. It's not like, woo, make five grand profit, spend five grand on a treat. That's not a good idea. Um, but having something built in that is motivating for you, whatever that is. And I will, the other thing I'll say on that though, is particularly in these times, this environment where some stuff is just out of your control, um, genuinely not a making excuses for when things didn't work out, but I have introduced a traffic light 
reward system where green is we nailed it or we smashed it. Orange is like we didn't get there, but it was for some very, very good reason, right? You know, like COVID shut down for a week, so that was the only reason. Otherwise, we would have. Um, and then there's no reward if we were just like not on track. And um, so we've kind of introduced some levels of like take out the outliers or take out the things that were really out of our control because otherwise you are sort of being punished for stuff that wasn't really up to you. Um, and yeah, and, and rewarding that position and it will be much more motivating for you to look at your numbers if you know there's a treat at the end. Paired association used well. And I mean, the, the treats, the um, rewards, like that's something that's used in a lot of psychological work too, because we know they actually work. You know, it's, it's not just intrinsic joy. Like we're probably, for a lot of us, we're not going to feel intrinsically motivated to sit down and do our numbers unless we're seeing how that influences our life, you know, and brings us these little sparks of joy along the way. So maybe listeners like sitting down and doing it in a way that actually in and of itself feels somewhat pleasurable. Like you might be doing a task that feels uncomfortable, but if you're lighting a candle, if you're cleaning off the countertop, but not doing the countertop cleaning as an avoidance strategy, but just like setting up an environment that feels nice and nourishing and maybe having like a nice tea or a glass of wine or whatever for you is going to feel rewarding as you do those numbers and do that budgets, maybe that's one way to start to make it more palatable and then bring in the treats and bring in you know the extra um the long weekend if it's a big one or you know maybe more baked potatoes like whatever it is um 100 we call this a money date for um my clients and you can date yourself because no shame in being a single pringle uh or you may invite your partner to join you in your money date or a friend or your accountant if you can afford them that often so there's different kind of levels and different people who can join your team you can do it yourself um and yeah i think making it a nice night you know, even take yourself out with your laptop and look at your numbers there. Like nobody else cares. They just think you're like total boss. <laughs> and you are. You're the boss of your numbers. Exactly. You're getting them in check. <laughs> I love it. Well, Lauren, thank you so much. So listeners head to the real teal and I will put all of the links in the show notes and at the real teal one on Insta and all of the social media platforms. And then of course, you know, work with Lauren, if that's something that's available to you and you can get the time, the time allocated tips and tricks, which to me sounds immeasurably helpful. So thank you for taking time and sharing with us tonight and having a money date with us now, Lauren. Yay! You are one fire date. I've loved it. Thank you. Oh, I've loved it too. I haven't had so much fun talking about money in a while. <laughs> Well, I hope that you enjoyed that interview with Lauren as much as I did. How real, right? You know, talking about the baked potato Uber Eats challenges and those, you know, emotions that she, as someone who's really trained in this area, watches her finances regularly, the emotions she felt when she unpacked the Uber Eats orders, that to me hit home because it gives us permission 
to be imperfect, right? This is this constant iteration. And where our attention goes, our energy always flows. So if we pay attention to our finances, we are, like Lauren says, going to figure out the ways to get forward, to get to the place we want to go, to be able to do the things we want to do, like buy a round of drinks for our friends or get away for a long weekend. It doesn't have to be big things. It doesn't have to be the yacht. That might not actually be meaningful for you, but being you know, energetic, having that health and that vitality, the very reason that Lauren invests in a personal trainer, maybe that's something that resonates with you. You know, in my case, I am very happy to invest in regular yoga classes outside of the house because getting out, having that quiet space, that energy for me feels invigorating. I'm very happy to invest in education, in books, like all of these things that are meaningful for me. And it's really helpful if you can sit down and And you can, number one, go through, as Lauren suggested, your financial statements from last year, make a plan to where you'd like to go going forwards, and please look at what you care about. Look at what is important to you and how the dollars you spend can be investments for the quality of life that you are going to lead, for the person you want to be invest, learn, you know, dance, do the things that allow you to be you and where there's a gap, know that gap so you can get there, create that open loop, but bring delight, joy to this opportunity to dive into your finances. And I think Lauren's right, you know, as we maybe navigate some of the uncomfortable emotions, we can get started then in refining and not just the rewards along the way, but I wonder if as we start to see change in our finances, if that will become intrinsically meaningful and powerful in and of itself. So right now, It's all about taking a little bit of action. Lauren's given some great tips for going on your own financial date. If now is not the appropriate time to do it, open your calendar, book something in, and please, if you can, book something in in the next 24 hours. Even if it's just a little mini date, a micro date, and it is sitting down and jotting out what your balances are, starting a spreadsheet and scheduling the next time you're going to sit down again, but make a date with yourself. You would schedule something in with your friend if you were going for a coffee. You deserve this. And I will, of course, be jumping back into your earbuds, checking back in next week. You can grab the show notes, all of the links to Lauren and you know her wonderful offerings, both in terms of the Real Teal accounting firm and on her Instagram and social media in the show notes easily there. So it's www.drcaitlin.com. Have a wonderful week ahead. May you and yours be well. Bye for now. Thanks for joining us this week on the Wisdom for Wellbeing podcast. Please visit drcaitlin.com to connect, find show notes, other episodes, and to subscribe. While you're at it, if you find value in the show, we'd appreciate a rating or perhaps simply tell a friend about the show. Wisdom for Wellbeing is not a substitute for professional, individualized mental health treatment. If you are in crisis, please contact 000, your local emergency number if you are outside of Australia, or attend your local hospital ED.